Hey folks, my name is Ike Morgan and we are down in Alabama. Now, we're literally down in Alabama covering as much news as we can from Lookout Mountain to Mobile Bay. And Down in Alabama is also the name of our show. We spend about three to five minutes daily going over a handful of news and culture stories that are a mix of the top stories and maybe the most overlooked stories and sometimes just the most Alabama stories of the day. Now, there's not a strict definition of what the most Alabama stories of the day are, but you know them when you see them. So y'all come on by and give us a listen and bring a sense of humor because we take the news seriously, but not ourselves. The show is called Down in Alabama, and we're available wherever you listen to your podcasts. For AL.com, I'm Ben Flanagan. This is Outbreak Alabama, stories from a pandemic. People can get kind of heated in their opinions, and so we spend a lot of time just making sure people are polite and respectful. And, and if they're not, sometimes they are removed from the group. Today we hear from Lori Lane a Tuscaloosa artist who, along with nine other people, has moderated a Facebook group dedicated to updating the Tuscaloosa and Birmingham area on developments related to coronavirus. To join the group, you must agree to the group rules, which ask that users keep posts about COVID-19 and its impact on West Alabama. They include things like, be kind and polite, no promotions, use reliable sources, and no politics or inflammatory content, among other rules. Seems simple enough, but this is Facebook, and there will be politics and inflammatory content. That's why Lori Lane and her fellow moderators dedicate themselves to keeping the group as informative, timely, and civil as possible, as if it's a second job, because there are currently nearly 22,000 people who depend on it for accurate information and updates. Managing an active Facebook group is demanding and stressful. Mix that with a pandemic, with topics that literally deal with life and death and how your community is impacted, and it can take a toll on those keeping it in line. Lori and I talk about how the group's moderators decide what's appropriate to post, how they manage politics and misinformation, what it takes for someone to get kicked out, and how the group has done the community some good during the pandemic. What all does moderating a group like this involve? Like, what do you set out to do? I'll back, I'll back up a little bit sure. because um, when I began it March 13th, it was pretty accidental. Um, I was just looking for a way to find out what was closed and what wasn't in Tuscaloosa. And some, because I'm a painter and artist, I was looking for, to see if there were some art activities going on. And I thought there's got to be a central place for all this information. And also people are asking about testing, you know, right in the, the very early days of it. So I thought it'd be kind of useful to have something. I don't know why I gave it that kind of official sounding name, but I did. And then um, I started it with the intention of having a couple hundred people on it. I went to my last in-person large meeting for church. And while I was at the meeting, the group had grown to 5,000 people. And so it was, uh, it was a little bit accidental at the beginning. So our purpose started off really just as a message board to find out what was happening in, in the area, what was closed, what wasn't, where you could find toilet paper, um, you know, some really simple things like that. So that was really just the intention at the very beginning. And then it has evolved and evolved as time has gone on. And as we've read all of the admins and so on and shared articles, we've become somewhat experts in the information that we're collecting 
And, you know, at some point we decided, kind of moved from simply just just a message board to really more, you know, activism and advocacy. And that has led us to, to moderate it in quite a different way. It must feel like kind of a second job in a lot of ways. Definitely. It is definitely very time consuming. Part of it is I spend, and all the other admins do, we spend a lot of time reading articles. And there, you know, we just, I kind of scan a lot of different sites, including Yale.com, you know, for information. And then we also, our group has been the recipient of uh, two kind of official outlets for, for the Tuscaloosa area information on COVID. And that's DCH. The spokesperson for DCH, Andy North, gives a daily update about the hospital numbers of COVID and kind of just any general information about that. And then um, Dr. Ramesh Paramsetti has uh, his own private clinics, and then he gives us his testing numbers every day. So we have we, we have a lot of data that comes to us, um, and then we look for really anything that's related locally, and then we go, we even look at, you know, at world trends just because people are interested in it. So, yeah, that, that part of it is pretty, pretty time-consuming. We have a lot of engagement by the members. They are very active. So I, I just checked. There's a way Facebook can show you how many posts and comments during a certain time. So the last 28 days, we had like 110,000 posts and comments from people. So, you know, per day, that's a lot of activity. And so... People can get kind of heated in their opinions, and so we spend a lot of time just making sure people are polite and respectful. And, and if they're not, sometimes they are removed from the group. A lot of times I let them back in. Like, they say they're sorry. It's like, okay, you can, you can be back. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a little bit fluid for that. And, um, you know, we, we have a list of rules people have to agree to just to be civil and, and so on. But we did... At some point, because we were having so many people kind of argue and argue about wearing masks, and we had definitely advocated for an ordinance in Tuscaloosa City and then for the statewide ordinance, it was just easier to not have people arguing on the same topic. Where do you go for what you consider the most pertinent information to share with the group? Like, how do you decide, like, what's appropriate to post? Right. And that is actually a, uh, a big discussion that we have among the admins ourselves. And we're constantly kind of reevaluating because we look for what we think are reliable sources and, and we'll do some fact checking. Uh, one of our admins, Kathleen Binden, is really good at going back and, and finding sources. But um, we will check articles against to see if they're in multiple news sources, for instance, if it's like a, if it's more of a worldwide or national event. But we look at, you know, we look at AL.com, we look at local newspapers, we look at things like the Washington Post, CNN. Um, we look at some, some people have some, you know, online jur- medical journals. I'll just go through pretty wide variety of sources to, to see. And then we'll try to fact check We've encountered different things like there there was a there was a YouTube video that was very popular for a while called Plandemic. And so it was kind of a conspiracy theory. So we had to kind of go through and fact check on it and convince people that it wasn't reliable. 
but but reliable information is really important to the group. So, and we'll readily admit that we if we don't know about something, we'll just we'll just say we don't know. You often see people commenting about what they might interpret as a post that's political in nature, seeking to sort of like point out a double standard where the group has outlawed political posting, some anyway, according to them, right? So how do you reckon with that? That is really difficult right now. I think at the beginning it wasn't. We just tried to keep it local and and it it was a lot less political. But now we have this problem that politicians are really in charge of a lot of the decisions that are being made about COVID. And so we have to post that information. So I think it has definitely shifted and evolved into something where politics is just really a part of it. And I think we spend a lot of time in advocacy for like the Tuscaloosa City mask ordinance. So we actively, I guess that would be a political action, um, encourage people to contact city council so that they vote in favor of it. And then then we took upon ourselves to do the same thing with the state, and I don't know if it made any difference, but we had a big campaign to contact the governor's office to encourage her to institute one as well. And then on the national level, if there is news about the president talking about COVID, you know, it's included in the news. So we, we try to keep the comments from simply being insulting or you know, we try to keep we try to keep everything more informational and less just opinionated, but it's really impossible to keep that from happening. <laughs> so we try to but we try to kind of tamp it down. As a Tuscaloosa native, there are people in my own timeline who I've seen vent about being censored or kicked out of this group in particular, claiming that the moderators don't want them to share quote unquote facts, whereas you or another moderator might point out that their posts did not meet the listed guidelines for the group. So what does it take for someone to get kicked out of this group? Or, or how do you moderate any misinformation shared via posts or comments? Well, there's one is if they are, you know, consistently kind of just insulting or they use bad language. We're pretty we're pretty tight on on how we how people say things, because that seems, you know, to me that matters. So we, we're trying to keep some kind of civil discourse. Um, and then if they're using unreliable sources or if they're insisting on conspiracy theories, those are some of the, the ways they won't stay in. And then I quite explicitly said, if you were at, at this later time, because we have read all this information, countless information about the effectiveness of wearing masks, if you actively speak out against wearing masks, we're not going to keep you in the group. And they still did, so then they were removed. And and that was more recently, but but yes, we get a lot of complaints about censorship and so on. And so at some point, we do have to say, well, we're volunteers. We are not medical experts. We are really just trying to find the best information for the community. You know, I'm sure we have biases. I'm sure that we are extremely failable in this. So some of the people, and again, some people who we've removed, we've just said if they want to come back in, I usually let them. So, but that's the nature of a Facebook group. They, the way it's set up, it gives a lot of control to the admins and not very much control to the people posting. But we're an open public group. So, you know, we're always trying to kind of balance the openness with not just completely getting, I mean, we, we get so many personal insults that it's really kind of strange that um, I think people 
start treating us more like elected officials or, you know, like people who have power and we, we really don't. And so we try to remind them to contact their elected officials when if they have issues because we're really just, you know, we're humans, we're volunteers. We do have the best interest for the community right now in this crisis, but we aren't experts. So that's kind of how we deal with it. What do you think the group has accomplished? I, I pretty frequently see posts shared on my own timeline. People seem to rely on it for helpful information. Do you think the group has done the community some good during the pandemic? I think it has. I don't think any of us would be so devoted to to it without that. In fact, one of our members, Kelly Ball, um, volunteered to be an admin when I think sometime in late April or May, I thought we'd done enough. I was like, I was really tired of it. And I just said, we're going to shut the group down. We probably said all we're going to say, I don't see a need for this anymore. And she was one of the people very upset about it and said she'd agree to be an admin if we kept going. And so we we have, but yes, I think we we can point to like the advocacy for the mask wearing, which has in fact happened. We really are a repository for a huge amount of information, both like numbers of positive cases in the area. People rely on us for maybe more things than they should. We we do tend to be this kind of clearinghouse for a lot of news. And so I feel like sometimes we have been put in kind of journalistic situations. One one of those happened when there was this big question about whether there were COVID parties in Tuscaloosa or not. And so there wasn't really anyone directly investigating it. And so we were getting a lot of information back and forth and we had to kind of decide what to say about it. Um, and, you know, my ultimate saying was maybe they happened, maybe they didn't. We can't really know, but everyone use safe practices. <laughs> it's just like we get a lot of personal messages from members asking about a wide variety of things from just information about COVID to where they can get tested to, um, you know, they, they will re- report to us what they think are employment issues. There's a lot of information about how to get unemployment. And it's just sometimes people are just kind of upset and just reach out to us personally. So there, there's this just really wide variety of things that we do as a group or in a said individually, because I try to be accessible. The latest issue is really about school openings and, and, and what's going to happen with that. And so after a lot of discussion with the admins and with other people, we put out basically a statement saying we didn't think that the timing was good right now at all for in-person school. And so, so we are basically advocating for a delay in in-person meeting for school. Particularly, we have teachers and our and our admins, and they and, and a lot and they're they're all parents, and so um, I think they just don't think that it, that that is worth the risk. So I don't know if that's you know if you disagree with that, maybe you don't think that's the community good, but we we kind of we come to these positions after a lot of uh, reading, discussion, and research. So how are you holding up, like staying focused on COVID news, especially as cases continue to mount in the state and in the Tuscaloosa area? I mean, you'll find that it's not often good news that you're sifting through on a daily basis and you can get bogged down pretty quickly. How do you wade through it and stay positive when it's tough? 
It is difficult. Three of our admins have directly lost family members, and so it is very personal. In my own case, I have family members who are at high risk. And so when we were thinking about the kind of the human cost as well, so I think, you know, staying focused on the fact that we're, we're doing something during the crisis and hopefully helping people out, that kind of helps keep us positive and it certainly helps to keep me positive. Um, and I also, I mean, I, I'm a painter, so I, I routinely paint every day. It's my job. And so that kind of, that helps me with the fact that we're a group. We can step back periodically and refresh before kind of jumping back into the crisis because it is an ongoing crisis. And you're right, it, it does. And, and there, there are directly people with, with who have had a good bit of loss already. Lori, thank you so much. Okay, I hope that was helpful. If you or anyone you know is affected by coronavirus and want to share your story, please email bflanagan at al.com. That's B-F-L-A-N-A-G-A-N at al.com. For all of our coverage on the outbreak and how it continues to impact Alabama, visit al.com slash coronavirus. If you like the show, please rate us and write a review. Thanks for listening.